Hey, White Sox fans, Brett Valentini here hosting yet another in the in the portfolio of podcasts that we have at Southside Sox. This one you may have heard of. Uh, it's it's legendary. Um, years ago, you may have you may have listened to it. It's called let me run this by you. It's called Dugout Metrics. Last time the Dugout Metrics crew came together, that would be Luke Smales and Trevor Lyons. It was March 26th. It's summertime. The White Sox are in first place. Wouldn't even know back then. Wouldn't even know how good the White Sox are going to be. And look what they're doing now. So maybe we shouldn't be doing any more dugout metrics podcast. Well, anyway, we've started it. So we're here. We're going to talk about uh, some news of the day. And uh, second half, probably the bigger chunk of this is going to be angled toward trade deadline targets. Um, maybe with a little metrics twist or maybe not. Uh, we're going to find that out. Uh, it's Luke Smales. Uh, how did the, co- uh, this is Cohawk, Luke Smales. Uh, how did the season end up and did the Cohawks take a page out of the White Sox book and move you from left field to say catcher? No, they didn't. Um, and unfortunately our season ended, uh, sooner than we hoped. Ah lost in our conference tournament but uh yeah hopefully the the Sox don't lose early in, in the postseason so now uh, Trevor's already gotten tired of me so he's uh, walked away for a moment uh but I'm gonna ask you both now did you get your name I mean it's just, just a 20 round draft did either one of you guys still have professional eligibility either one of you get your uh get your name called uh a couple of weeks ago yeah, I don't know about that. It's been it's been a couple of years for me, so I don't know how that all works. But unfortunately, not. I'm just hoping to be able to swing a golf club these days. Yeah, but the wrist is all you know. They they got the new they got the new medicals. You know about you, right? The wrists the wrists are strong and they're ready. Oh, they're not still still not ready. So uh, yeah, I might need a bionic wrist or something for that. Oh, uh you're far too young for bionics but go for it uh luke uh you catcher eligible left field eligible uh didn't necessarily get the call yet no i'm still waiting on the undrafted free agent sign okay all right hey my uh my you know anyone can call or text me um you know the Sox have needed outfielders this year so they lose a couple more you know i'm there you know the good news luke is and this is sadly pertinent and this is really a whole nother podcast so when we jump back on with dugout metric six probably in December, we can talk about this, but the underactive free agent, isn't the minimum, like, isn't like a, like a 20 gram, the minimum is actually pretty decent. I think you can do a lot better as an underactive free agent than you can say, Oh, I don't know, being like a Cubs fifth or sixth rounder. Right. So, I mean, that UFA might be the way to go. Yeah. And uh, you know, I can just tell the kids and grandkids that had they not shortened the draft by 20 rounds, um, it probably would have been there, but it just happened to be when I was eligible, they shortened the draft. So. I will, I will back you on that, Luke. Okay. You guys come from a, oh, I don't know. Let's just say if you're watching, it might be obvious, but if you're listening, it probably isn't because your host here for Dugout Metrics is so sprightly, but we do come from different eras of the game, fellas. And I'm going to just sort of pass too much opining here, but let's lead off very quickly with the retirement and unretirement of your mean Mercedes. Again, dugout metrics is trying to combine the idea metrics, but with guys talking with guys who have been in the dugout and been in the dugout recently. So I would like to ask this question with an angle toward your mean as your teammate. And what is your reaction to what has happened in the last 24 hours? 
That's interesting. Um, I hadn't really thought of it from that perspective, from the team perspective. But those guys down in AAA, you know, you have him make that retirement post on Instagram, and then the next day he's unretiring. Um, those guys are working their tails off to try and get up to the big league level. And obviously, Yermin had put in the time as well uh, as a career minor leaguer. And it, it, is, it is a tough feeling for him, I'm sure, um, being kind of on top of the world. And then it all comes crashing down so quickly. Um, and he, you know, he's always been kind of a character. So it wasn't, it was, it was definitely shocking, but you could kind of see where it was coming from. Um, I'm just hoping that everything's all good. It seemed like he was suiting up today. So uh, I don't really know what to make of it all, at least yet. Maybe we'll get some more information coming here in the future, but I don't know. Yeah, it's got to be <clears> – the <throat> rest of the AAA guys got to be kind of thinking, hey, man, we're kind of all going through it. We're trying to all get back. Um, you know, we'd love to have the kind of opportunity that you had. And he had a lot of success at first. And, I mean, just ask Luis Robert last year. I mean, he was he was on top of the world too, and then he hit a slump. Um, yeah. But the difference between Robert and and uh, your mean is that, you know, he can play a, a premium position in the outfield and your mean, I mean – fact of the matter is you just can't really play a position other than DH. Um, So it's hard for the Sox to, through those struggles, to keep them up when, you know, you got Sheets coming up, you got Aloy coming back who's going to DH. Abreu needs some DH at bats. You have Andrew Vaughn, obviously. So there's a lot of people that kind of fit that mold. Um, And as far as the teammate thing, it's, it's kind of tough at this point, you know, he was retiring yesterday and today he's not retiring. So it's kind of hard to, to know what to make of it so far, but um, I still think you mean what, you know, when he gets an opportunity, I still think he's a very talented hitter and I think he could be a really good major league hitter, whether that's on the white Sox or probably more likely it won't be on the white Sox. Okay. Anticipating the next question. It's the speed round question, guys. Does your Mercedes have another plate appearance for the white Sox in his career? Yes, I think he does. And my prediction was that um, he's going to get a big hit in the playoffs, and this will be a chapter in the World Series DVD. Okay. All right. Wow. Uh- that would be really cool. Um, <laughs> my prediction is no. I just don't see any route to playing time, kind of as Luke was touching on. There's so many guys in that mold, and that's also probably one of the reasons why mentally he might not have been in a great place. He, he sees that – they don't see him as a catcher. They have Sebi Zavala up there over him, um, obviously a defense first guy. And then with all these guys coming back, including Aloy, you have a lot of DH types with the success that Berger and Sheets are having up there. I, I just don't see a way that he he can swing his way onto the roster again. Yeah, other than a DH or more more so like a – September roster expansion or a uh, postseason, you know, extra hitter type of thing. I don't, I don't think he's going to be a regular, but um, I think he, you know, with an injury or two or just with a roster expansion, I think uh, he could find his way back. Some, some, some things that people might be uh, missing on too, adding a so-called insult to injury, whatever, whatever, whatever the injury is. Um, my, uh, I'm going to mispronounce his name, but he's my new favorite White Sox organizational player. Uh, sorry, Jose Rodriguez, but uh, Davy Grulan um, Gru- um was acquired from the Braves. He immediately was plugged into catcher, 
has been whomping the hell out of the ball. He's been getting the catcher reps. Your mean either didn't play. He was playing first base a game. And it doesn't mean he's displaced completely as catcher, but clearly this two week or whatever, little trial of like learn to call a game wasn't being dashed, but it was at least being put on pause where they're bringing somebody else in who, who even this new guy might even have a clearer path being probably more of a two-way player than your mean. So uh, that could have even been uh, the last straw. But again, we're talking about last straws for a guy who, well, I wasn't going to opine on this and I'm not going to, but let's keep moving on here uh, to uh, what we're going to get into maybe more second half, but here, let's just tease at it. Nelson Cruz traded from twins to the Rays. Now the good news is Nelson Cruz is no longer a Minnesota twin. The bad news is we hardly play Minnesota any longer. And right now I can never really remember whether Boston's in front of Tampa, but basically if Tampa is the first wild card, they might end up playing the white side. It could very easily wrangle out that he can still haunt the White Sox come October by playing for the Tampa Rays. Uh, Reactions. Did you ever think that uh, Nelson Cruz was actually going to get traded off of the Minnesota Twins? Certainly not as this season started because we thought Minnesota was actually going to be a decent team instead of trash. Yeah. I figured it was kind of inevitable just because even if the Twins do think they'll compete next year, I mean, it's just another year of Nelson Cruz aging. And I think, I think he's 41 now. Um, So you know, I think they did a pretty good job of getting looks like two pretty good pitching prospects for him on a raised team that needed some help um, against left-handed pitching. So yeah, it could very well end up being that, you know, we see him again in the playoffs and how ironic would that be? <laughs> yeah. That Joe Ryan, their number 10 prospect that the, the twins got back was really interesting to me looking into some of his advanced metrics and then some of the numbers that he's been putting up in the minor leagues he looks like he could be a dynamite prospect they said he he may need a little more polish on a second pitch but his fastball really plays um so seems like they got a decent return obviously um at this point like Luke was saying he's not much use on the twins this year um and he's just getting older so I feel like they they had to pull the trigger on something like that Pretty pricey for for what is a, a rental player, but uh, the Rays also have a top 75 where the rest of us have a top 17, so maybe they can afford to do that. Okay, before we actually get to your wild card picks and take a break, why don't we talk about the two guys who are going to be the deadline acquisitions for the White Sox? Oh, you know what's going to end up this way. It's Eloy Jimenez, who's actually at Charlotte. Luis Robert, who has just began his rehab assignment in Winston-Salem. If it goes like Eloy's by the end of the week uh, or or by next week, certainly, uh, Luis could be in Charlotte. Um, What I want to know from you guys is what you, how the player you see coming back in both cases, are they going to be um, best case scenario players? Are they going to be almost replacement level players because they're struggling? Or is it going to be somewhere in between where there's going to be flashes of the player we know, but just maybe not quite back all the way. I think Eloy, I would expect to be more um, hit the ground running, especially um, from a hitting standpoint. I think he's got more of a polished hit tool, I think, and he can kind of um, more of like a wake up and hit type of guy where maybe Robert needs to get in a little bit of a more, more of a rhythm. Um, so I could forecast maybe Robert struggling a little bit out of the gate. Um, but, you know, I think, Louise obviously brings so much on the defensive side um, and uh, speed side on the bases as well. So, I mean, I just think it's hard to understate like how big it's going to be for the lineup. Um, 
where the lineup's been pretty good. It's almost, we feel like we don't even need those guys. We forget about them sometimes, but um, I think they're, you know, I think they're going to be great. And I think when they both get a couple weeks of at bats, I think, you know, even though they have pretty significant injuries, I think we can expect them to be the, the guys that they have been in the past. Yeah, I, um, I agree a hundred percent. I expect huge things whenever Eloy gets back throughout the end of the year from him. Um, I was expecting just a, a, massive year from him this year so I'm super pumped to be able to watch him hit again um, add a little bit more thump to the lineup which has had a little bit more thump of late um, but has struggled with that throughout a lot of the course of the year Um, and then another aspect to Robert is as Luke was touching on the speed part of his game and that injury that he suffered I have no idea how that's going to affect his speed um, in the short term or even in the long term. So I'm interested to see what he looks like running the bases and what he looks like uh, moving around because that is an absolutely crucial part of his game. Um, so hopefully he'll he'll be able to come back and just show a little bit of that speed that we all love. Well, another aspect, Trevor, of Luis's comeback is something you brought up, I want to say, a few weeks ago in a podcast, and that is that Luis might hit the dominoes too hard while he's rehabbing. Now, we haven't seen a lot of footage of him yet. It does seem like, you know, we can't really judge his speed, but it doesn't seem, I mean, he doesn't have a dominoes baby right now, so it does appear that he uh, is in decent shape to to, to come back and contribute in the stretch run. Is, Is that what you've seen as well? Yeah, I hope so. I haven't seen any really footage of him running or anything like that. Or, um, or eating dominoes. So that's he's, a good sign. For a guy that moves as well as he moves, he's already kind of a bigger body. So, um, you know, I, I just <laughs> like I was saying in that earlier <laughs> podcast, I just hope he has been uh, realizing that when when it's one thing when you're running around working out like crazy every day, but it's another thing when you're sitting back, not really able to do much lower body wise to, to be eating dominoes that much. So we'll see what happens. When the White Sox hand out their coupon booklets to all their players, because you know they do, millionaires or not, hand out their coupon booklets because uh, they buy them in bulk. Um, what they need to do with Luis is just rip the pages out that have the dominoes coupons. Make him pay full price and you might get him ordering dominoes just a little less frequently. Okay, on that note, let's take a quick break because a bigger chunk of our show is going to be talking trade deadline who both of our dugout metrics uh, experts uh, want to target for the White Sox, maybe positional need that's most important. So we're going to get to that right after a break. So we'll be back in just one minute. Hey there, everybody. It is Brett Valentini. Somehow the guy who thinks Woba is an indigenous instrument or a prescription medication for stink foot is hosting a program called Dugout Metrics. The two experts that I try to just stand aside and shut up while they say the smart things are Trevor Lines, straight out of Louisville, and it's Luke Smales, uh, just just retired Cohawk uh, in uh, Iowa or in the Chicago back in the Chicago area. Uh, still in Iowa. Yep. All right. All right. Okay. So we're we're, <laughs> we're nationwide with Dugout Metrics. You might not know it because again, you might not have heard about us. But legend, legend has it that this has been a very respected and a very well listened podcast so jump on man enjoy this one and then go back and enjoy all the other episodes from earlier this year and who knows we might get another one out like real soon who knows especially once we see whether or not Luis robert has a pizza baby uh in the oven or not okay let's talk about the trade deadline time's running short uh no real 
uh, intense um, scuttle we're hearing. Uh, obviously, the White Sox like to be clandestine in everything they do, especially in terms of trade talks. Let's not get specific names yet. What I want from both of you is if we have one, one need to fill, one position we're going to go after, can only make one transaction, and forget this Eloy and, and Luis coming back as the deadline, I guess, which is, what's the position? There's a few positions of need. What is the position that is most crucial to you to add uh, before the end of the month? I think um, this might be surprising. I think it's a relief pitcher. Over second base, over catcher, I think they need to get one like bona fide setup guy. Um, and I have a couple names that I won't get to yet, but I think even over second base that I've before I've been saying you need second base, so you got to fill that hole. It's not going to be Mendick, it's not going to be Larry Garcia. We need a second baseman. Actually, I think my eyes have been opened a little bit the past couple days, couple weeks that they need a guy they can go to in the eighth inning uh, behind or in front of uh, Liam Hendricks. For me, I'm going to stick with second base, or if you want to be a little bit more general with it, I would say just a maybe a left-handed utility bat. Um, it's been well-documented how well the White Sox mash left-handed pitching, um, but they have been definitely human um, and a lot of the times struggled against really good right-handed pitchers. So I, in, a, in an ideal world, you would get someone who can play multiple positions and uh, swings from the left side, um, especially with someone if they have a little bit of thump. So we'll see what happens there. There's really no ideal, ideal candidate, but we'll get into that, I'm sure, in a second. Okay, one, one thing I think where I could see siding a little bit where Luke is at is, uh, as much as I don't want to drag, it, uh, drag this into it, Luis and Eloy coming back does uh, give the offense more punch. It may be able to allow you to offset the fact that we don't have much, maybe could, might not have a lot of production coming from second base. It might be easier to patch over that because you've got, you've upgraded uh, your outfield positions again, but obviously there is still a need. We probably will get to some second base ideas as well. Okay. Now in the past, we've done things like a draft, like, Hey, you pick, you pick your favorite prospect, you, whatever, you know, we could sort of go that way uh, this time, but uh, Luke, you sort of, you sort of drew first blood there. Give me your, uh, forget groups. Give me your top then set up target. Who's the guy you'd really uh, like to see the White Sox get. And do you have an idea what the cost might be? My favorite guy for them to go get would be uh, Ryan Tapera from the Cubs. Ooh. Um, I think some frustration this year, uh, with the relievers has been, um, obviously Foster has been, a you know, he's been a massive, it's been a massive struggle for him this year. Um, there was some regression, I think, coming with him, um, uh, from last year's stats. Hoyer's really struggled with command, although I think he's better than what he's shown. Um, and then the two guys, Bummer and Crochet are either lights out or they really yeah. can't find the strike zone. Um, and that's, that's, what's really been in front of Hendricks. Um, Ryan Tapera really doesn't have a great, he doesn't have great stuff from like pitch, uh, physical qualities, but his command is just unbelievable. Um, he's got some of the best command of any reliever in baseball and he just spots up, um, he throws a slider over half the time, um, pretty good fastball too. And, and he's really just limited all hard contact. So I think that's, would be my, uh, like a one guy to go get. And I don't think 
he would be super expensive. I think the Cubs are going to try to maximize on Kimbrel there. And they also have Andrew Chafin. So they could be trading three or four relievers. And you know, I think that's a gettable guy um, to go get. Okay. Two quick follow-ups then, Luke. Are the Cubs, given uh, the Aloy Jimenez and Dylan Cease deal, are the Cubs afraid to trade with the White Sox? Um, I mean, if they're afraid to trade us Ryan Tapera, is if he's <laughs> going to become some kind of like uh, MVP candidate, uh, like maybe Aloy will be one day. Um, I mean, I think they have bigger issues, but um, no, I don't think, I think a uh, rental relief pitcher, I don't think that should be too big of a deal. Okay. From the White Sox perspective, then are we concerned with Cubby Stink? Cubby Stink? Yeah. <laughs> um, again, I think it's, we're not getting like Bryant or Baez or Rizzo. I think, I think Ryan Tapera will be okay. He even got an MVP vote last year on mistakes. So maybe that's a good omen. (laughs) Okay, guys, you might not be keeping up with the games, but MLB like sent out the footage. I just want you to know because you you dropped the name there, Luke. Another no-look tag from Javi Baez tonight. Unbelievable. It's like he caught the ball and just tagged the guy like, it was, it was like he was levitating. It was an extraordinary play. Never mind the fact that it was about this far between catching the ball and tagging the play. It was unbelievable. I'm so glad they sent that out because I might not have seen it. I don't watch the Cubs. Another no-look tag. It was extraordinary. Don't you get more oh outs? God. Don't you get more outs if it's no-look? It actually was 1.3 outs. If they put it right up there yeah. on the board, yes. Uh, the inning was That's over, but then they get to carry that one, that point three over. Yep. Mm-hmm. It, was, yeah, it was very impressive. Okay. <laughs> Trevor... You have identified as a top target. Uh, well, you know, you punted a bit, but you did say second base. But I'll allow you, if you really think that the pressing need of just that lefty power bat, you can go for a guy who's not second base. But tell me who you're uh, – well, same drill. Who's your guy and what might it cost? Um, touching a little bit on the relief market, uh, I am a huge, huge Aaron Bummer fan. I, If there's one guy that I think is going to really – lock it in in the second half and show that he can be that eighth inning guy. I think it's bummer. Um, another name to keep in mind is Kendall Graveman, really good reliever from the Mariners. The Mariners are kind of in the outside of the wild card hunt. Um, but these next, this next week, they're going to have four against the A's who they're chasing in that wild card hunt and then three against the Astros. So if they, struggle this upcoming week I could see them becoming sellers and uh, he's a guy with a nasty sinker slider combination almost a Aaron Bummer type from the right side Um, and I I think they could use a guy that can get out uh, left-handed hitters Um, and then also another reason why I thought maybe the relief market um, might not be as critical is you might get a guy like a Dylan Cease in the postseason that is going to be pitching out of the bullpen. So that might be a a bonus to your relief uh, staff that you may not think about. Um, As far as what I had originally said, uh, a left-handed hitting utility guy, that would be Adam Frazier, who is the cliche name that everyone is talking about. It's no secret. Um, It's nothing too crazy, but he's a Nick Madrigal type player. Um, One thing that concerns me a little bit about him is he's never really had an above average season offensively prior to this year. If you look at all the advanced stats, but he's having a huge breakout year, um, rarely strikes out, isn't going to hit for a ton of power, but does hit from the left side and can play multiple positions. Um, So he can play second base. He can play a little bit of outfield and he plays gold glove defense at second base as well. 
he's going to cost a, a decent amount. I don't think it's going to be anything crazy. I would be very interested to see where other teams are valuing Gavin Sheets and Jake Berger after their mm -hmm. cup of coffee in the major leagues, see how that has shifted their value and how the White Sox are valuing them. Um, and then if they really wanted to go big, I love Joey Gallo. He's not a second baseman, but he's uh, a guy that could definitely add some immediate thump to their lineup, walks a ton, hits for a lot of power, um, and plays gold glove defense out there in the outfield as well. Um, Eduardo Escobar is another name that a lot of people have been talking about. Jonathan Scope, not as interested in him. Um, but we'll see what we'll see where the market shakes out. Does it help when the case of Frazier that he can play? Uh, he does play the multiple positions. So it's not necessarily as if you're going all in and paying, let's face it, you know, a, a bigger price than maybe uh, maybe a, an expiring contract, uh, a relief arm. Uh, does it help that you can plug him in at second this year and maybe he's your right fielder uh, next year? Does that help justify what might be an increased um, cost to acquire Adam Frazier? Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's that's definitely an aspect of it because, excuse me, obviously they will have Nick Madrigal coming back next year. Um, so it's got to be a guy that has that positional flexibility if it's not just a rental. Um, and he definitely provides that. Um, I'm just really interested to see how active they will be. Like you said, with getting Robert back, with getting Aloy back, um, I could see them kind of staying a little bit quieter as, as much as we all would hate to see it, but um, maybe just adding a, a middle tier relief arm. Um, but we'll see how it shakes out. Don't forget, Trevor. Don't forget, we extended Lance Lynn. That's like, that's practically like another acquisition, even though it's next year practically near that acquisition there's a lot of stuff they can do to rationalize and justify and listen the moves are great so it's not criticizing those moves it's just you know you can sort of look outside you know there's other media guides <laughs> there's 29 other media guides you can look at okay luke i'm gonna throw it back at you and and ask you now uh bat target if it's not relief pitching uh are you looking catcher are you looking outfield are you looking second base um or if there's a guy who's more attractive even though it's not your position target Who's the guy who jumps out at you would be most attractive uh, for the White Sox to acquire? Um, I'm going to agree with uh, Trevor that Joey Gallo would be a dream scenario to go get. Um, could you imagine having Moncada, Grandal, and Gallo all drawing like 25% uh, or 20% plus walk rates ahead of uh, Anderson, Abreu, you know, all these guys that just can swing at whatever the hell they want then. Um <laughs> That would be crazy, but I just, I mean, Texas is going to want so much for them, and the Sox, let's face it, they don't have a very good farm system to trade from right now, so it's probably going to cost you, I don't even know if Crochet can headline a, a deal for him, so I just don't think they have the the firepower to get it done, um, and, you know, I think, again, agreeing with Trevor, I think Frazier would be a really good get. I think it's 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 like a different mold of, of Madrigal, what he does for you, Um Again, but you got to be okay with plugging him in, in full time in right field next year. Um, some, you know, he's never really been a full time outfielder, so that's would be kind of a shift for him. Um, but I think he could probably handle it. Um, and he's he's really good, just like Madrigal. It's like this innate ability to optimize um, launch angle and exit velo to where you're just spraying the ball over the infielders' heads um all over the field so you can't really shift against them so it's why he's able to kind of maximize that that batting average and 
you know, he's fourth in the league in doubles. He's got a 330 batting average. So it's, with him and Madrigal, it's so similar. It's that their innate ability to kind of just find holes and, and almost not hit the ball too hard at the outfielders. Just, you just got to bloop it right over the infielders. <laughs> uh, Luke, you, you bring you give us a reality check, which Trevor just like blew off. So I love that. <laughs> you know, we got the fantasy picks and you're, you're, you're being the uh, you're being a little bit more of the downer here, but let's, let's have a reality check here. What is the tier pro- the tier player we can get given what we have to trade? Assuming few teams, if any, are going to be suddenly bowled over by Gavin Sheets or Jake Berger. Of course, it helps that they've hit the ground running in the majors, and it helps that they've mashed in AAA, and they're not particularly old prospects, let's say, and they're certainly not they're not your mean age. Uh, but even those guys, they're not they're not going to they're not going to centerpiece a deal, probably even for Adam Frazier as much as we want to downplay it. Uh, are, are, do we really have to adjust as much as we want to jump on the socks for not like just going crazy and shopping like it's Wheel of Fortune or something? Uh, of really realizing there's a ceiling to what they can get with this system because even some of their most attractive young guys, either they're not really doing great, like the single A guys, or uh, you know, there might be hesitation on the Sox part given, you know, there's the guy in San Diego. Uh, and I don't know that those guys can necessarily be a centerpiece for a Gallo or Frazier. Uh, do we need to check our expectations uh, here heading into this last week? Yeah, I think so. Um, I don't even know. I mean, we don't really know what Pittsburgh wants for Frazier. I think they're trying to sell high here. Um, so they might be coming and say, we want crochet. And the Sox are like, heck no, he's a big part of our bullpen for this year. Right. Um, we can't, we can't move crochet. Um I, I think Gallo's out of the question. And, you know, the, it might be Eduardo Escobar, who we kind of thought all along. That might be, um, you know, two, two and a half month rental air, with Arizona. I think, um, you know, you can get one, get him for one of those, a couple of those mid, mid-tier prospects. That might kind of be the ceiling. Um, so maybe Escobar and Tapera. And I think that would be, I think that'd be a pretty solid deadline, to be honest. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. That's a little bit of what I was touching on about the fact that we may not see a big move. We may just see a, a relief pitcher as, as much as we would like to uh, see some more than that. But with the system that the Sox have and the underperformance of some of the bigger names in the system so far this year, um, there's not too much that we can really offer to make a power move for some of these big name guys. Uh, Jose Rodriguez is a guy that's definitely interesting to me and I'm sure is interesting to a lot of other teams with how young he is and the premium position that he plays and the hitting skills that he's shown. Um, but if you get rid of a guy like him and a couple others, the system gets even thinner. So we'll see what happens. Him and Brian Ramos, I think, are two mm. interesting younger guys. Um, Brett's shaking his head, but mm-hmm. I mean – the, the big picture I think here is there is no guarantee that we're ever going to have a pitching staff as good as the one starting pitching staff as good as the one we have now. And we have a good lineup that's cost controlled. Everyone's going to start getting more expensive, even though we're saying we don't want to you know trade the farm and, and, you know, mortgage everything. This, you could argue, this is the year that we have as good a chance to win it all this year as any year. Um, so I think that should also be, you know, in the back of the head of retcon, like the goat, you know, the time to go is now. And, you know, if we're trading, you know, even if we're trading a Jose Rodriguez and Brian Ramos or three or four of those type of guys, um, I'm not saying you got to move on or Kopech, but even if it's a crochet to get an Adam Frazier, um, 
you know, I think yeah. it's something you got to strongly consider doing. Sure. I'm not a prospect hoarder. I just don't see what, <laughs> not with what Rodriguez is, is doing uh, this year, but yeah, you know, Hey, put the deal in front of me and then, and then let's see what happens. I'm not sure anybody we've talked about here gets me pulling that trigger, given that that's probably not going to be, it's not going to be one for one. Okay, guys, I'm talking to Tuesday Collins fanboys here, so I am not going to let this podcast end as we wind down without talking about catcher because somehow we've ignored catcher and we have no, we have no catchers. Is Manny Grandal is coming back. We don't know how, how effective he's going to be catching. He's a badass. So chances are he's going to just sl- slide right back in like August 15th. He's going to be catching five days a week. Maybe he might not catch again this year. We don't know because he's been had this nagging knee thing. This has been uh, persistent. Zach Collins. You can defend him. Uh, Sebi Zavala's up. Hey, Sebi's been better than what you would have expected. You're mean. I personally don't think he's going to have another plate appearance for the White Sox. Uh, we have no catcher. So what do we do with catcher? I was trying to look at some of the targets, and there's not really, like, a lot of, like, catchers out there. I mean, Sebi Zavala's been pretty impressive, to be honest. The way he's called games, and he yeah. looks like he's a pretty good pitch framer. Um, the fact of the matter is, for the record, I always like Zach Collins for his bat against uh, right-handed <laughs> pitching. Not his defense Fair. and his frequent at bats against right. left-handed pitching. Um, he is horrible um, behind the plate. Like, sorry, but uh, <laughs> I mean, that, that's just that's just the truth. Um, and you know, honestly, like if you threw your mean up there, I mean, I know he's probably not the game caller, doesn't have the experience there, no. but he can't be worse no. framing and defensively um, against Auto Steel against Zach Collins. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm with Luke. I'm starting to get as much as I hate to say it. I'm starting to get a little bit off the Zach Collins train, and it's <laughs> not necessarily his fault. He's getting just yeah. completely overexposed in an everyday role. Um, I feel like it's the Liam Neeson quote from Taken, where he has a very particular set of skills, and <laughs> if it's anything outside of that particular set of skills. Um, he, he looks lost out there. I know what it is, Trevor. It's dancing after wins. That's the skill. Yeah. Okay. Dancing after dubs and hitting right-handed pitching or walking against right-handed See, pitching. I think I don't know metrics, but I hey, I got one. I got one right, guys. All right. Um, so, yeah, I, I, that is – Luke, you brought it up. Uh, um, the, the counter to that is what's out there. So, I mean, geez, we just traded for a guy you know, or bought a guy from the Braves and the uh, Grion who's like, okay, I mean, obviously I wouldn't be the, the best guy out there, but, I mean – Okay, it was Jonathan Lucroy. What, what, what is what is out there even a grab? So, I mean, I set you up with sort of a sucker punch question there. I mostly wanted to hear what the fresher take from uh, compared to the one six and a half years ago we had about Zach Collins because we were talking him up a little bit more. Although, Luke, uh, you are allowed that um, disclaimer because it's fair. I don't think you're ever saying I'm a Zach Collins defense fan boy because – you might have actually been fired from the Dugout Metrics podcast had you said that, but uh, a fair clarification, and you're right. As a, as a regular five-game-a-week starter, it's like it was never supposed to be this way. No, and as far as trade targets on my sheet, I have written down Tom Murphy from Seattle, um, and he's sitting like 196, and I wrote him down because he's a decent pitch framer and he's a veteran, and yeah, it's probably, and I think Luke Roy had like a 75 WRC plus in AAA or something with Atlanta. Like, it's just... I guess you can see why he didn't make the team. Yeah. But, um, I mean, when you have a guy like Dallas Keuchel saying, like, I love throwing to Jonathan Lucroy, like, maybe that's all you really need. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if with Grandal coming off a knee injury, if he's not able to catch, like, I, you can't have Zach Collins down the stretch, especially not on a playoff <laughs> roster catching. 
and maybe like with second base, if you're getting some of this fortification, if you're getting healthier, even if you get your ground to Garndell back as a, a DH playing a little bit of first base and just like spot catching, maybe you can live with Sebi. If they love throwing to him, if his defense remains strong, solid, dependable, you don't want to punt a position in your lineup. And I'm not saying that that's necessarily what he's been, but even if it, you know, even if he um, uh, regresses to like scary Charlotte, you know, 2019 or, or 21 level, Maybe you can live with that if you got uh, the other eight slots in your lineup just mashing hell out of the ball. Yeah, Grandal is a guy that I would be very, very hesitant to rush back, especially with the giant lead on the rest of the division. Um, He's so critical behind the plate. So if you want to start working him in for some DH at-bats and say, hey, we're not going to make you get down and catch until the very last moment that we have to before the playoffs – Maybe maybe give him a week back there before the playoffs or two weeks. I don't know what his recovery timeline is looking like, um, but you want to prolong that wear and tear on the knees as much as possible, especially considering the fact that um, early in the season, he was complaining about some knee issues that were holding him back offensively, which is why he was taking such a passive approach up there. So he looked like he was just starting to hit his stride. And if we can get him back to, half of that it's an improvement over what we're getting right now out of the catcher spot it's gonna take a lot of discipline because he's already out there playing catch he's with the team it's like you can tell he's like shows you know he's probably sleeping with the chest protector so that the first time tony sees him in the morning he's like oh hey this guy's just maybe i should pencil him in he's sly he never wants to miss a game and that could cause trouble he's getting older it could cause trouble being that relentless about it it'd be nice if the white Sox had a second catcher where his could say hey maybe i can take a day off and just still collect my paycheck because I got a guy who can actually like catch, but uh, we don't have one yet. Maybe Sebi, maybe Sebi. He was uh, he was a brighter star in the White Sox um, prospect constellation, you know, a, a few years ago. So it's, it's not to say that's necessarily disappeared. Uh, we are getting the call from Zoom to say, hey, wrap this up. We know people have missed dugout metrics, but we don't care. Uh, we're a faceless corporation. So we do have to wind this up. Thank you for listening and watching and reading a little bit about Dugout Metrics 5. Maybe we'll have Dugout Metrics 6 sooner than you think. I hope so. I'm going to get on these guys to try to do another one soon. Maybe a post-trade deadline uh, episode. But anyway, thanks as always for listening, reading, sometimes even watching. Trevor, Luke, thanks for being uh, with me once again. Let's do it again sometime soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Brett. All right. Take care, guys.